Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is your favorite Gundam podcast. We really talk about everything that's Gundam-related, from the music to our favorite series, movies, OVAs, which are kind of the same thing as movies and series, now that I think about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The lore, concepts, ideas, anything and everything that's related to Gundam. Isn't that right, Brian? That is correct, Isaac, and today we are here to finish off our discussion, our review of the latest series, Gundam The Witch from Mercury. So, Isaac, did you finish it? You finished it, right? Yeah, I I finished part two. I wrapped it up. I believe it was 12 episodes? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, each, each half was 12 episodes. Well, I think it's all considered one season, right? They just cut it in half. Yeah, we, we learned last time yeah. that they're calling them uh, Coors, so this is Coor 2. Of course, Coors. Yeah. Um, which... <laughs> Was that mean in French? Chapter? Uh, or I don't course? remember. Okay, Something whatever. like that. It's French, you know. Wee wee. We lost more of our French listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just nosedive. But um, pretty short, all things considered, for a Gundam series, right, Brian? Yeah, probably, uh, probably too short. That's going to be my opinion. Huh. Yeah. And um, speaking for myself, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, maybe, but um, I wasn't a big fan when the credits rolled at the end of the series. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know what the popular opinion is because I I haven't really looked at, you know, other reviews and and such. And I've avoided that until we do this so that we give sort of our own take. But it's definitely like I enjoyed watching it, Isaac, but this is one of those series that the more time passes between me finishing the show and then thinking about it, the less I like the ending. It felt very rushed, and outside of Suleta and Mirine sort of ending up together, I don't think I was really satisfied with basically any other aspect of the ending. And, and satisfied doesn't necessarily mean liking it. It just means feeling like there was a solid narrative closure. Yeah, I'd, I'd go a step further and say I absolutely liked the first half more than Coors 2. <laughs> um this this last back half was uh, uh, puzzling uh, like there were times i felt puzzled i felt like i was watching uh, a zone of the enders like a reboot series or something or some new mecha series it would you know blade runner with mecha or something it was very um it just felt just bizarre i didn't think they stuck the landing and cores one all the interesting things in that really didn't pay off in this last half and um yeah i don't think i could recommend this series oh boy boy. (laughs) that's kind of the danger right when you when you split up your series into like and there's a gap in it right people develop these sort of expectations they have all this time to think about it and then what you deliver them may not be what they sort of made up in their head in a way, this this kind of feels like the anti-Iron-Blooded Orphans. What, what I'm trying to say with that is Iron-Blooded Orphans and this share sort of a lot of similarities in some ways, but it's almost like um, mirror universes. Uh, by that, I mean, okay, Iron-Blooded Orphans are a bunch of young, uh, essentially slaves. In this, they're, everybody's a bunch of, a bunch of young um, elite students. You know, they're part of the, the 1%. Iron-Blooded Orphans, there's uh, really no major war going on. In this series, there's really no major war going on. Uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans, it really all comes down to the finale with one major fleet battle. This series also comes down to one major fleet battle. There's Megacorps sort of in um, Iron-Blooded Orphans. There's Megacorps in this one. But, oh my god, they were just worlds apart in how (laughs) good the story was. The characters, the more I think about it, yeah, this... 
this wasn't a good series. We had a strong beginning, really interesting setting, but at the conclusion of it, I really felt like this isn't Gundam. You didn't do Gundam things. Not that I'm necessarily expecting, you know, Federation and space fascists in every Gundam, but this was just, it was not how it should have been done. That's how I, the feeling I came away with. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I, I somewhat agree. I, I think especially if you talk about Iron-Blooded Orphans, I feel like that one, the show did a lot of different things that Gundam had not done before. And then the ending that they chose was not a safe ending, right? Right. Uh, I feel like this show, they went down a path that was very different. Like you said, in, in season one, I, I think, or not in season one, Coor one, but it was very fresh, right? But then as Coor two went on, I, th- I feel like the last like four or five episodes, it really fell apart for me. And I feel like they chose a very safe ending. And by doing that, it didn't really make any sense to me. Or at least it wasn't very satisfying. And maybe everyone else loves it. I don't know. I haven't checked yet. But um, I feel like we're going to get into a lot of why why we didn't like it. I'm curious if we have a lot of the same thoughts. So that this will be, uh, be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't care what the general public thinks or what the general fans think about the series. I was hoping, I was rooting for it, right? Because, you know our first kind of female lead characters, majority lead almost, uh, even the villain was a woman. Uh, and then um, <laughs> it just was not what we were all rooting and hoping for it to be. They even continued my fear, which was the sort of Sith Phantom Menace lack of definition trope or um, practice where we were told something's a threat, we're told something's bad, but we're never actually shown what it is or really explained what, why, why the witches are bad or what they do. You know, yeah. it was always, it was never just spelled out for us. And that was another critical mistake. But you know what, Brian, let's, let's go down your list and uh, see how much of our, our thoughts line up. All right. So I think I tried to do my list in chronological order, but at the same time, a lot of this stuff in the back half, I feel like it bleeds together a lot. So we might be jumping around in topics. So apologies, listeners. But it's, assuming you've seen Coor 2, we're, you know, we're obviously going to spoil the hell out of it. So, and uh, we're, we're going to jump around a lot here. So I'm going to start off on a positive note, Isaac. I actually thought that the opening ending songs for Coor 2 were a lot better than those in Coor 1, and I actually liked them. I'd put them on the playlist. They're not like in my top five or top ten or anything, but I thought overall they were much better. Yeah, I, I don't... Well, the, the opening song I didn't really care for, but the ending song had um almost a soulful Japanese that I've never really heard that style before. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it was very, like, full of pain and, and you know yeah the blues yeah i didn't really get that from the, the japanese the first blues <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i, I enjoyed those um uh, so that, that's that's a positive but that's of course uh-huh. that's not the okay. actual show right that's <laughs> just the no it's just it's the uh, the bookends so um the first real thing on my list isaac is if you think about the school i'm, I'm saving some of the meteor ones um but if you think about the school i, I feel like we got a little bit more about the the dueling at the school in the back half. Okay. And one, they revealed that they were using protection programs to limit the beam output. I'm not really sure that those limiters or or those protection programs are are set high enough because those beams were still doing a lot of damage. I still don't understand why they can't just use paintballs. But in addition to that, am I not understanding how the dual system works there? Does that tactical battlefield that they have, does it generate real matter? Isn't that almost um, more impressive than Quiet Zero? Generating real matter would really kind of bring into question the need to really manufacture anything, right? Correct. Um, <laughs> Correct. That's my point. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like farmers in Star Trek kind of existing, right? It doesn't really <laughs> right. make sense because they all have the food replicators. So it's yeah. like, well, what are you doing? Oh. <laughs> 
yes, that's a very good point. I don't specifically remember them being able to create like the ruined buildings for like an arena out of nothing. But I, I, I assumed it was like. But like they crash into the buildings and stuff, right? Yeah. So that, that means they have mass. So yeah, I, I thought they, what they is had going like, on? essentially a, a glorified prop department. But if they're able to generate it, then uh, bad writing. <laughs> I don't know. I just maybe I'm not understanding it clearly. But if yeah. someone out there knows uh, the answer to this, I, I would like to know because I feel like that is that's the golden goal, you know, right? Of, of like science is to just make stuff. I mean, that's alchemy, yeah. right? You know. So um, screw Quiet Zero. They got stuff that just makes whatever they want over there. Right. Yeah. Oh, Quiet Zero. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I, I can't believe I was right about that too. But you know what? We'll get to Quiet Zero later. All right. <laughs> All right. What What's next on your list? All right, next on my list would be sort of, well, this this kind of comes into play at the two-thirds mark. Okay, the Peel Technologies, which hasn't completely been portrayed as a villain, or if they had, it was really subtle. <laughs> they kind of separate themselves from the Benerit group, and then they, at the climax of the battle, they have their assets sold by the heroes, which... It, it seemed to me that shouldn't have happened if they separated themselves from the Benerit group. For me, that was just sort of like, well, how do we defeat them in like a business style during the <laughs> series that's about business? Well, we'll sell their ass. That that It didn't make any logical sense to me. Maybe something went over my head and I didn't fully catch something a character said, but how can they separate themselves from like this business alliance? And then that the leadership of that alliance is really still able to sell their assets to kind of screw them over after the dust settles at the final battle. The way I interpreted it is they didn't really separate themselves from Benerit officially. It's just that they agreed to ally, maybe a strong word, but allow the League, or at least the High Council of the League, to fire the, uh, the ILTS at the end because they were going to be guaranteed to be in charge of the uh, rebuilding, essentially, at Lagrange 4 or L4. Okay. They waived their dissatisfaction or disagreement with using the ILTS with the assumption that they would they would benefit at the end of the day. The only problem is... I see. There was one line, because if you, if you notice, the, the one character that was basically underused the entire show was Elon Prime, right? I think we can, yeah, all, right? we can all agree on that. Except this was his this was his only moment that he really mattered in the whole show. He's still in charge of Peel Technologies, based on that AI program, right? They said, "Oh, our AI program said he is the best one to be in charge, so we put him in charge." But there's one line at the end where he says, "Oh, I've been headhunted," and so he's the one that signs off on Peel's approval to sell Bennett's assets. And by saying oh, "I've been headhunted," it means that Miarine convinced him to side with them. How? I'm not sure. Right. But that was the only line that we were given. So you're supposed to assume that Miarine got him over onto the good guy's side for some reason. I, I'm not really sure why. Okay. I think there should have been a whole scene explaining how she did that. I don't know if she did it months ago or if it was a last minute thing or or what. Yeah, that you do kind of make some sense, but it's there's a bit of stretching there to try to just kind of nod and go along with it, right? Well, absolutely, because even, even yeah. in a realistic scenario... CEO or whatever can't sign off on that on something that big that usually there's provisions that say well any transaction above this dollar amount has to go to the board and the whole board has to sign off so very rarely do you have a CEO that has a CEO of that size corporation that has absolute power that's just generally not how it works huh 
when Elon Prime says, "Oh, I I signed it," you know, you can see the look of horror on the the peel ladies' faces, right? Where they're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> like it's over. <laughs> like with one signature, he just nuked the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, it felt like it was like, well, they had to just shove it away for Peel Technologies to eat humble pie rather than them just kind of walking away, you know, because yeah. nothing really happened to them. And clearly this is a series where they're not going to just wipe out the whole enemy leadership. Right. And I think that whole thing was meant to be a lesson of trusting your AI system, right? Like the, yeah. their, their whole okay. thing was he, he is the best suited to do this. And the ironic thing was that he sold their thing. In a business series, this was the business super weapon, essentially, that they really <laughs> yeah, didn't the, see coming. Okay. The pen. Yeah. The selling of their assets, which apparently they didn't see coming or they didn't do anything to protect or, yeah, which was <laughs> a little foolhardy and hard to believe. But whatever. Yeah. We'll go along with it. People make mistakes. Okay. What's next on your list? Okay. So I, I'm going to hit on one of the bigger topics, which oh, I boy. think was probably the best part of the show in the sense that it it was a great reveal, and it came before everything fell apart, in my opinion. And that was the reveal that Suleta is not Aerie, and that Aerie is separate. I thought that yeah. was that was a good reveal. I, I'm just curious, did everyone else see that coming a mile away? Because like you and I, we didn't watch the show as it aired, right? We watched it relatively all at once with a few weeks break in, in between. So I suppose there were clues along the way. I mean, last time I did pick up on the, the, the years being off. The only thing, Isaac, I, th- I feel like the whole airy thing, while it's a good reveal, it raises so many other questions that we really didn't get answers to uh, around, no. like, cloning. Yeah. Suleta is a clone of Aerie. They're calling her a, a repli person. That's a fancy name for clone. Right. Even before we even get to the cloning, wouldn't it just have been simpler, Isaac, if, if Elnora was pregnant at the time of the attack instead of doing cloning? Like, the years would line up. They'd still be four years apart. And that's not as cheesy as going down the cloning route. So I just don't, I don't understand why we had to go down the cloning because there's no real other clones in the show. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, we had the kind of Elon half clone. Well, those are enhanced persons. They gave new faces. So I don't think it's exactly the same. That's true. This is a different person. But um, yeah, it almost should have been a case of she was praying at the time, right? Because then then she comes off as Prospera comes off as even more of a villain, right? Because she's she's essentially pushing away her biological daughter because she wasn't the first one. Yeah, it's it's a continued like, you know, endangering yeah. of your of your kids basically. Right. So then it raises the question, like, is cloning a routine technology in this timeline? Is she the only clone? No one else seems phased by this that a clone exists. And then like, what about all the other Aries that were in the Ariel. They said they were the children of the coven, which finally we got a witch reference, Isaac. There was that one and there's there's one other. Yeah. Are they also failed clones of Ari? And Suleta is the only one that worked because she's the only one still alive. And if they were failed clones that were then put in or uploaded or whatever you want to call to Ariel, why was that necessary? Just to show that cloning is not easy or explain why there's not more clones? And are we supposed to believe that Prospera figured out human cloning too. Like, did she invent that? Like, that's an entirely different discipline than what she works in. And like, did all those other Aries yeah. die at ages four to six, except Suleta? Or did they die as babies? Did she upload babies? <laughs> did she upload <laughs> dead clone babies to Ariel? Like, well, I, I'm so confused. Yeah, it wasn't explained very well at all. And on top of that, it's something I don't like seeing when we see the ghost image of the child. And it's always talking to the main character in different animes, right? And in this case, it was uploaded. Uh, or it was the uploaded consciousness that can only live in the Gundarm system or whatever. 
and it felt very what's the word not reductive but we've we've done this before and also it it, it sort of subverts our expectations in a way right because it took away stuff from suleta i felt you know i kind of saw her differently after this she was Mm. a clone she wasn't sort of a actual oh boy i'm kind of playing my own hand oh yeah you you just you just went into like a real deep ethical dilemma yeah (laughs) I, I, Isaac reveals himself as he does not see clones as real people. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But like like you just said, apparently nobody really had an issue with it. You know, students didn't stand up and say, well, she clearly has to leave the school or we she, we can't even be around her. She's a dirty clone. Right. Um, it wasn't a human debris type situation. And she kind of is the only clone to our knowledge. So... <laughs> I guess that makes her special in some ways, but at the same time, it's like, well, if you can clone people, I think you kind of, you really put your priorities into the, <laughs> into the right. wrong project. You know, you bet on the wrong horse. You should have really doubled down on cloning. You would have, <laughs> you would have ran the Benary group. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, that just, it seems like that's the same scope of a project as Quiet Zero. Yeah. And I don't really understand if, if Prospera also figured out human cloning, I don't see how she did that and... <laughs> did quiet zero the same this this woman Very has no busy. time i mean did she clone herself right, did yeah. she have an army of prosperas working on this stuff because <laughs> she's also the the smartest person that's ever lived if she's done both of these things you know it's like it's like those all those bad resident evil movies and like the the umbrella corporation has the power and technology to clone like tens of thousands of people but like what they choose to do is just make like zombie viruses <laughs> it's like no 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 stop making the viruses like you you will run the world if you're able to just clone humans and all the technology and benefits that come from that like you guys you guys really uh stepped over a dollar to pick up a dime <laughs> yeah just be more effective with your cloning use is what is what i'm saying yeah aye, aye, aye. were you surprised that prospera really took off her mask like in episode one of this <laughs> core two my, i kind of was shocked i was like whoa i thought this would be like it'll get blown off her face at like the final battle or something you know mm. yeah well it did get blown off her face at the final battle that's that did happen well, yeah that but like before that she like just takes off her mask and puts it on her desk i was a little bit surprised but then i also realized right away because a lot of stuff happened really quickly the airy reveal happened really quickly she took off her mask really quickly the reveal that sort of shattuck was kind of behind everything that happened really quickly i assume they did that because they wanted to like answer everyone's burning questions right after the gap because there was all these burning questions that people had and i'm sure one of their goals was or at least it, it seems like one of their goals was to answer a lot of those questions right away and they did and i guess that was one of them of the you know the mask coming off yeah my expectations were subverted and i didn't feel too satisfied even though i did kind of have a feeling she looked normal i just thought oh Maybe there'll be a scar or something, but no, she was completely normal. And well, I mean, since we're on Prospera at the moment, I think my one of yeah. my biggest problems with this show is everyone just forgave her. Yeah. She got off easy, Isaac. She needs to pay for her crimes. <laughs> you know, the Benary Group, let alone the Assembly, do not seem like forgiving organizations. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of intrigue that goes in there and like double dealing and people being assassinated yeah it <laughs> she should not have been given the um the, did you ever see house moving castle 
Uh, I did, but I don't really remember anything about oh, it. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, quick summary. All right. Uh, there's a villain in there uh, called the Witch of the Waste. She kind of gets turned into like an old lady form or kind of her true form. And, um, you know, even though she causes problems throughout the whole series, kind of gets the ball rolling, really, by cursing this young girl to look like an old woman. Mm. At the end of the series, they just kind of let her move in with them. And she like is this old lady that kind of just chills in their house in like a rocking chair. Wow. That is very similar. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what happened to Prospera. Like they're like, well, you know, here's a wheelchair, and we'll cut your hair, and you can kind of hang out on Earth. <laughs> yeah, Suleta's like, well, she's my mom, so it's cool. Yeah, but like thousands of people died because of this lady. Yeah, she like blew up half the fleet that right. they sent to like stop Quiet Zero. Like those people had families, you know. Right. <laughs> Someone's gonna be upset. Yeah. Right. It's one thing for the characters to understand her motivation and understand why she did what she did but then it's another thing to sort of blindly like there's not even like a scene where they forgive her she's just there and it's like oh we're all just cool now and it's like how like she did horrible things yeah i'm not a fan of the ending for her i i was really assuming again i was my expectations were subverted that she would go down with the ship you know the, the super weapon that was her whole life's work and all that the, the quiet right. zero system i assumed as usual she she stays on the bridge or whatever the command center that almost always happens to the main villain of every mm-hmm. gundam series but no yeah and i don't frankly i don't know that the ending gained anything by her living like, it's too happy of an ending. Right. I mean, all it really does is show, I guess, Suleta's forgiveness because she was so willing to just, well, you know, you, you didn't treat me very well, but sure, we'll push you around <laughs> the wheelchair on Earth for a while. <laughs> I think you can have the characters forgive her, but also demand some sort of restitution. I, I don't know. It, it just yeah, sits, re- <laughs> it sits wrong with me that she got off. The Peel women really got off worse than her. If you think about it, yeah, that's like, true. They were they were gonna. It was, it was yeah. It was very disproportionate comparing to who actually caused this problem and who merely like used it to their advantage. Um, <laughs> so, ay ay ay. All right, what else is on your list, Brian? Um, okay, let's take a let's take a lighter one here. I you know one character that I was not satisfied with. I, I thought they Ooh. made some really good steps forward for who I, I now understand they pronounce his name Gwell. Is that is that right? Uh, is it I ghoul? think I heard Yule at least a few times. Ghoul? Right okay. I read someone else someone else say it was Gwell. I didn't watch the dub, people. Anyway, Ghoul, okay. Gwell, whatever the hell you want to call him. I thought he was on a great path to becoming like a Tony Stark. Okay. Where he was going to see all the, the damage he was doing to the Earthians and then going to go back and, and repurpose his life for good. And I feel like a better option for him would have been instead of going back, like, like the, the whole concept of all of a sudden, he killed his dad, he saw all this pain on Earth, and then his immediate reaction was, I need to do everything I can with the company to maintain my link to my dad, who was a terrible person and treated me like garbage. I don't I don't understand that logic at all. I feel like a better path for him would have been joining the Dawn of Fold and putting his Turk resources behind their cause. I feel like that would have been a lot more interesting. I just don't understand him all of a sudden wanting to have that link to his dad who, who, who just treated him poorly. I, I, I don't get that. Yeah, it was, uh, on some ways, I'm glad he did have a bit of an arc. Let's give him that, right? So he kind of sure. went from yeah, sort absolutely. of this, this arrogant school bully to being much more aware of the world. And, you know, he had a little terrorist encounter. Um, 
<laughs> and then after that, he's he's kind of a more experienced, reasonable person by the end of the series. But I, I still, sort of like what you were saying in a way, maybe you'll agree with me, I feel like his third act for himself was half-baked. It needed more time in the oven. If you're going to treat him almost like a half-main character with that level of progress, it should have given, given more time to stew. But we didn't get that. Instead, it, it just kind of ends for him. <laughs> Yeah, him and Shattuck are sort of taken out. I mean, they're not even really in oh, yeah. you know, the final battle. I mean, that... they're kind of there, but like they're not really in the main final battle, I guess. But No, not at all. Oh, Shattuck, definitely not at all. It... Yeah, he was in jail. Let's, let's, let's trans- <laughs> yeah, let's transition to Shattuck because, again, I, I, I'm sorry, listeners, if, you're hate, if you hate this phrase, but there's nothing else I can use. Uh, again, my expectations were subverted with Shattuck, right? This whole time, I thought he was going to pull out this little, you know, wild card or whatever and he'd end up being the main villain or he'd do a coup on like the main villain corporation or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, it, and he ended up kind of really peaking in the middle of the season. And then he was just <laughs> sidelined. He was sidelined. And despite all appearances, he was not really the shark clone we thought he'd be. So a few things on Shattuck, I think to your point about him peaking early and then also on ghoul or guel or whatever being a little bit half-baked i feel like a lot of the third act of all their arcs were a little bit half-baked because to your point ghoul well he did have an arc i i totally agree with you on that like there was clear character development i just disagree with the reasoning of, of like how it ended it just didn't make sense to me so for shattuck i feel like they purposely made him peak early to subvert your expectations that he was the villain because he was the shark clone i feel like that was very on purpose because otherwise i don't understand why it was that early I mean, I like that he had this grand plan. I thought that was fun. I like that he was super committed to the cause of uniting Earth and space and ready. You know, I, I, what I like about him is what, what that, that one phrase he said, like, I'm ready to own my own sins. But to spend that much time with him, build him up, and then he to, like, not really have him partake in the last battle was a little strange to me. It just felt like, not like, I don't want to say a waste, but, like, usually you no. expect someone that main to carry through the whole way. I guess it was because I kind of liked him, and then to have him not really there at the end was a little strange. I'd go further and say it was a waste, because something the final battle was kind of missing, in my opinion, was a lead enemy mobile suit, right? Mm, Yeah. Instead, we did something that, uh, again, sorry, this is going to transition us a little bit away from Shattuck, or a lot away, but um, instead we did something that I don't like seeing in Gundam, and that is pistols at high noon. And I, I really feel like Gundam sort of deteriorates when we get into situations where there's gunfights. At that point, it becomes less Gundam and more something else. Mm-hmm. Gundam C, mm-hmm. Destiny kind of had this problem. And we, yep. we have it here. And, oh, God, that was such a bad scene because we have all these technicians and goons in the building, in, the, in Quiet Zero, right? And yep. who who's running around with the gun? It's just Prospera herself, you know, with like... <laughs> A couple of of Haro troopers, as opposed to what what really should have reasonably happened would have been, you know, there's a SWAT team of of troops running around trying to protect the Quiet Zero internally, but we didn't get that. So instead of having what's usually like the main enemy, right, pilot, and then the main hero pilot kind of, you know, having dialogue as they battle each other, instead we had that dialogue kind of pushed to being in the hallway of Quiet Zero. Yeah. And that, that was less satisfying. And his sidelining was, like, very permanent, right? Because they, when him and Ghoul or Ghoul or whatever fought, like, they destroyed the Daryl Baldi and the Michaelis. Like, there was no going back for those two mobile suits. They were done, like, four or five episodes yeah. before the, or whatever it was, the, the finale. 
so that it was like, wow, we're done here. <laughs> like these dudes are fried. Say what you will about like the justice system in this universe, but like when, once you're locked up, that's it. <laughs> yeah, dude was behind closed doors. So, and I mean, you know, he, he was still involved in the finale a little bit. I get it. He was on the phone with Mirene, and they, she basically used his plan, right? Like that was kind of his plan to sell all the assets. So I, I, I get that. But he, he was definitely purposely sidelined, and, and you know that that's their creative decision. I get it. But yeah. clearly to Isaac and me, it, it seemed, seemed a little bit of a waste to not have him there. But especially given what they did, right? Like if, if they had done something like that blew my mind, I really wouldn't care. But given what they did, I right. think in retrospect, it's like, oh, man, I wish Shattuck was there. And I wish Gule, you know, Gule or Gil or whatever was, was there, too. So I don't know. Curious listeners, what your thoughts on Shattuck are. Yeah. It was, what was so bizarre, too, is it's it might be the only time the Shark clone didn't really make it to the end of the series and by that i mean actively doing something we see that in seed destiny we see that in seed we see that in oh god we see that in everything else yeah yeah pretty much i think the counter wow. to that is that to our point maybe from the first half is that they did sort of split char you know th- three ways roughly so yeah the person with the mask you know prospera she is there at the end so you could argue that I'd, char is there to that hmm. extent but maybe not the uh Oh, maybe I'll I, put it this way. The, yeah. the mobile suit pilot version of Shard didn't make it to the end here. Okay. That's a good way of putting it. I'd, I'd almost say Prospera by the end of the series, at the final episode, really, the climax, she essentially had, had gone La Crusade, not Asnable, <laughs> if that yeah. if you catch my meaning. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, she she definitely was going a little nuts, yeah. But you know what? Something that did put a smile on my face at the end, even though, even though the whole time I was like, you know, what the heck is this series doing? Really? This is how we ended up? I was very happy to see Haro Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting take. Yeah. I agree that they were, like, fun to see, but did that take the seriousness out of the moment at all for you? It, it did. It, it, it did two things at once. I had a little bit of a cognitive dissonance. Yes, they, they, they were like difficult to take serious. And then at the same time, it was like, that would be horrifying to actually see in real life. That would that would be the equivalent of like your enemies using a drone to fight you. And they put like a clown face on it, right? You're like, oh God, you know, normally the clown's something for like a children's party. But if right. you actually see it on like a battlefield, it, it'd probably be like psychologically intimidating, right? It, it would. I, I think what it was also confusing about that to your point it, it was very horrific and i wonder if that's how she thinks no no i wonder if that's i wonder oh. if that's that would be even that's actually even more terrifying um if, if yeah. that's the case but she's very intelligent i could see her doing that <laughs> yeah that's true uh but this show has a lot of people watching it who are who've never watched gundam before right did they not understand the significance of horror like they don't really get the joke do they so to your point do they just think it's like a horrifying clown trooper like did they do they understand what they're looking at i don't know you, you almost it's better if you do know what haro is because if you see it without it without knowledge beforehand you probably think it looks a little goofy oh absolutely that's what i'm saying like how, how yeah. do those people who've never they don't know what haro is how do they react to that scene it must just just seem out of left field to them yeah it probably seemed very bizarre you know she's wearing that weird mask She's, she's she's shooting at teenagers in a hallway. They also have guns. Uh, I don't know why everybody only brought like the smallest semi-automatics they had, <laughs> except for the Haro troopers. But they don't really count. Um, yeah, it w- it was a very bizarre forced confrontation with small caliber weapons, and I, I'm not a fan at all of that situation. 
yeah, it, that, that was an odd way to end it. And speaking, what was even worse than bringing small arms in there was, I mean, I guess now we gotta talk a little bit about Quiet Zero. So let's just let's talk about Quiet sure. Zero because this is where we're at, right? This is where we're happening. This is happening on Quiet Zero. I can't believe it happened, Brian. I can't believe I called it. I kind of didn't want the weapon to be what I thought it was, where it takes control of other mobile suits, but that's what we got. Yeah, that's it's exactly. It reminds me a lot of. Did you ever see the movie The Recruit, Isaac? Yeah, Ice Nine, yeah, right? Ice Nine. Yeah, yeah. Which is also, I think, from a Kurt Vonnegut book, but um. Yeah, Cat's Cradle or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've never read Cat's yeah. Cradle, but uh, I think it's in there. So yeah, me neither. We were given a explanation of Quiet Zero by by Bell. She said, I, I think I wrote down the whole quote, it's a system that establishes and extends a data storm network deployed by aerial and mobile suit type gun bits. Anything that uses permit in its network will be under its control. And man, I don't know, Isaac. I don't think they did a good job of explaining permit. As far as I'm concerned, permit is magic. As far as I'm concerned, what they pretty much did was like hack the Bluetooth or the Wi-Fi of any Bluetooth or Wi-Fi enabled device. Right. That's, that's essentially what they did just on a larger scale to Correct. all the vehicles and stuff. <laughs> so they, they sort of fiat this permit power into existence and just start taking over stuff. So I had a lot of questions about Quiet Zero and, and they include things like, you know, why does the data storm need to be filled by those mobile suit bits couldn't they just be like mesh router units that you have in your house like that'd be a lot less conspicuous like where did they manufacture all these gun bits like they had a lot of them there were like it feels like there were hundreds if not thousands of those right, Gundam, yeah. like mobile suit bits like where did they keep them all did prospera do it all did, did she do this at mercury was she ever even at mercury isaac how did no one even notice quiet zero in space that thing was huge this was very like sea destiny of this show yeah where it just kind of showed up <laughs> See, excuse me one second. I have to take a sip of milk. I'm choking here in my <laughs> anger. Um, as usual, I'm eating milk and cookies at night. Oh. Okay. Th- this raises, like you just said, this raises too many questions. Let me explain. It was clearly inferred to us that the Benry Group has far more resources and wealth than Prospera, right? And her Correct. company. Correct. They're, they're in a subordinate position. How did she get the resources to build Quiet Zero? let alone the Benner Group knew nothing about it, let alone she was able to build her own mobile suits and, you know, got the drop on everybody. Like, uh, the Assembly should legitimately, would, would be very, uh, they should seize control of the Benner Group or, or severely punish them for letting things get to this point. Yeah, I mean, that's why they wanted to fire the laser at him, I guess. Yeah. But you have to assume that Delling was repurposing a lot of Benerit's wealth to build Quiet Zero. But man, that's a big operation to keep quiet, Isaac. Yeah, and... It's so <laughs> massive, I don't understand. And and she built a lot of those gun bits. I mean, if you think about the other people that were building Gundams, the Donna Fold, they were still supporting the other... Was it Ook's Earth or something? And, and they were building yeah, those... Like the Lafriths that Norea and Sophia were, were piloting. Yeah, ugly Gundams. But they didn't have nearly as many Lafriths as Prospera had gun bits. So it just, I don't know, resource-wise, it's very confusing to me. It's, it's very yeah. big. It's out there. How did no one see it? Also, why did Delling not really grasp, like, what exactly this was what this was, and what it would lead to? You know? So, yeah, I, I have so many questions there. Delling and uh, his wife, is that's almost a separate issue, which I want to bring up here. But yeah, okay. Uh, one, one more thing that I didn't like, which was actually my original point here. Not only was bringing in small arms a little odd, and that... This felt very much like uh, like the Death Star Trench, Isaac, is like 
uh, it's like a trope now, right? Where you send in like one yeah. thing and you push the button and it deactivates. But like Star Wars gets a pass because it's that's kind of like maybe one of the first big things it did that. I don't want to say yeah. it was the first thing because I'm not that well read. But I feel like that whole like let's go in and upload the the shutdown code that was embarrassingly bad and cliche given the level of writing that had come before it. I, I don't understand how they did all these good things and then like that was the finale. That was the plan. Yeah. And then, like, the tomato thing? Did that work for you? I, that was so random to me. No. I feel like the tomato thing is very much a, um inside joke, much in the same way Ko's carrots were from Double Eighty Three. You know, that's why we're really not... That's, that's why we keep getting so many tomatoes shoved in our face in this series. Um, <laughs> but, yes, a shutdown code is... A shutdown code fits this series, and I don't mean that's good. I just mean it fits this series because this series has been so far in pushing away death and killing characters that, of course, there's going to be a shutdown code, right? Of course, Prospera doesn't get killed. Of course, you know, the there's, there's a massive fleet battle. It's more of a... Boy, I don't even know what you'd call it—a a policing action by like security <laughs> fleets. Um, uh, a shakedown. <laughs> yeah, and like I—I I don't know, Pro- Prospera. I guess I can kind of believe that she'd put like a shutdown code in, but at the same time, part of me was also like, no, she is like ride or die. I'm doing this plan that I spent like my life working on. I, I'm, there's no shutdown code. I'm the shutdown code. <laughs> right. So that's yeah. what I'm so confused about because it's not even Prospera that put the shutdown code in. It was Natret or Notret. I don't know how to say her name. Delling's dead wife who put it in. Marie oh, Mirene's mother. Okay. Right? But like, I don't understand why she put the shutdown code in and linked it to Mirene. Like, isn't this her life's work? Why would she want it shut down? And why would she think that Mirene would shut it down? If she wanted it shut down, why didn't she just shut it down herself? Are we to infer that at some point she didn't want Delling to work on it anymore? And that's why she put it in, knowing that Mirene would be one would one day shut it down? See, that would work perfectly if it turned out that like Prospera and Delling had like a history or something, right? Like which they which they infer, but we don't really learn much about. So right. But but no, yeah, they we didn't don't do know that. that. <laughs> I, I'm just surmising that, right? Uh, we, yeah. do we know why she put the, sh- the cut down. Did I miss that? No, we. I don't think so. No. Okay, so so if, I, so I, if that's not the yeah. case, if that's not the case, I feel like and Delling woke up at the end, right? And he, you know, he was like, "Oh, Benner, it's fine. Leave us alone." <laughs> it's not fine. It's yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, like why would anyone believe you, sir? At this, at this stage, the, the government had to show up and like <laughs> try to control the situation. Things aren't well. <laughs> Right. So wouldn't he wake up and if someone told him, hey, by, hey, you know, Delling, things aren't going so well, you know, Prospera took over the world with Quiet Zero and Mia Rene, she shut it down and uh, the whole thing disintegrated. Wouldn't he be pissed? He should be. I mean, putting everything aside, like the consequences and stuff. Prospera pretty much screwed him over. They had a meeting. They're supposed to be working together. She kind of clearly didn't keep to the letter of their agreement. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, it, isn't that kind of what he wanted her to do? To, to he basically just wanted to shut down everything and, and maintain order. Wasn't that the whole thing that like he 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 could always stop wars or whatever, defeat everyone, but he he couldn't achieve order. And so this this whole thing was to make him achieve order. So if someone destroyed it, wouldn't he be mad? Like it really reminded me, Isaac, of of <laughs> that one. Uh, it's really old now. I don't know. Some people are gonna understand what I'm talking about. There's a there's a YouTube guy called Doctor Smoove. And he has this uh, Optimus Prime reawakens clip where uh, if you ever watched uh, Transformers, there's an episode where they, in Transformers, the movie Optimus Prime dies, spoilers, you know, 1980, whatever. 
anyway, they have to go resurrect him to like fix this problem. And in this parody video, he he's alive again. He goes, Rodimus, you've run this organization right into the <laughs> ground. I feel like if he if Delling woke up, he would. He, and someone told him that me, Rene, and, and Zuleta disintegrated this whole thing that he's been working on for his wife. He would have that exact reaction, like, me, Rene, you ran this organization right into the ground. What did you do? I wanted that thing. I don't see how he's okay with how things turned out. Wouldn't he be okay that, like, things have actually quieted down and, you know, the Benner group still exists? Clearly, Prospera caused enough problems that the government had to get involved. But now that the dust has settled, business can go on as usual. Well, that part I think he would like, but at the same yeah. time, they just erased his whole life's work, which we, which we're told he cares more about that than than really the Bennett group. He's a stoic guy. It's hard to read him. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't feel like we got enough out of Delling. Uh, we we were definitely wrong okay. about that one. Remember, we thought he was going to play into the back half a little bit more, and he he really didn't. Dude was sleeping most of the time. Yeah, I guess that puncture wound he got really sidelined him. And for such an interesting character, especially in the prelude, we didn't. I didn't get as much as I wanted. Yeah, we didn't really get a whole lot of anything out of the Mobile Suit Development Council or Cathedra. Really, no. I mean, Cathedra was in there a little bit, but but remember how cool the, the yeah. Development Council was? They sat in that room that had the clear floor, and we like talked about yeah the, the glass ceiling up up that glass ceiling. Never saw it again. No, they never reappeared. And I'm sensing a pattern here, Brian. I'm sensing that this is starting to boil down to this series has a lot of ideas and characters and uh looks like threads that they wanted to follow but it was just too short yeah i agree i think they bit off more than they can chew in 24 episodes i mean to their credit i do think their 24 episodes were very efficient and they were very engaging because they caught they they covered a lot of ground i would say they covered what most animes would cover in 30 to 40 episodes in 24 episodes but I think that only is beneficial if you stick the ending, and at least in our opinion, I don't think they did that. So it ends up no. for me actually hurting the show because it was so short. But yeah, uh, that that almost feels like a conclusion, Brian. But like, <laughs> there's there's still stuff to discuss. Oh, I'm Con- not even continue. done yet, Isaac. <laughs> no, like mobile suits. Like I, this last half did not deliver. What most series normally have, which is where, like, you know, they kind of save the best for last. Yeah, the the, the better, more interesting suits and stuff comes out. I, I feel like they're really banking on Quiet Zero. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Quiet Zero fell a little flat for me. I mean, it was interesting. Yeah. I get the sci-fi concept. I, I think I was right on that, that it was going to be a little bit more hard sci-fi. I just think it was an awkward thing that it didn't really even turn out to be the big finale. Like, oh, that. Why don't we talk about that? Because like after we finished with Quiet Zero, then we got to the laser, the laser, Isaac, the interplanetary laser transmission system, aka the ILTS. So, Isaac, I have one question for you: Was this necessary? Was it excessive? Was it needed? I I feel like it was. It didn't have a good showing because it came off as a bit ineffective, at least in the first shot. Yeah. Also, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like it, it felt mismatched to this setting. And by Absolutely. that, I mean, yeah, since this setting has been so lacking wars and battles, having a weapon like this almost really, it kind of makes me question of like, why didn't they just make the assembly the main villains in this series or something? Oh, absolutely. The assembly league, which first of all, I think they did a, at least in my opinion, they did a bad job explaining what that was. Right. 
and not only the fact, Isaac, what the Assembly League was, but then there's a difference between the Assembly League and the Assembly League High Council with respect to their motivations and, and goals. And the Council was the one that wanted to fire the laser on basically on their own people, which is the League. I, Isaac, I feel like this laser was not needed. It was not necessary. We already had the big bad. That was quiet zero. You don't need a space laser. I feel like we got John Peters here, you know, where someone was just like, you have to have a space laser in this show. Did you know that space lasers are the fiercest killers in the Gundam multiverse? Wow. <laughs> I feel like someone was just like, at the end of the show, you have to have a space laser. Because it, yeah. it literally came out of nowhere. They were just like, oh, by the way, I have this laser. Here it is, and I'm going to fire it. And, and this, I think it was in the last three episodes, right? If maybe not the last two. Yeah, I believe it was the last two, but it, it just... Much like Quiet Zero, it didn't feel like a super weapon worthy of Gundam. We've had space lasers before. I just think it came out of nowhere. And someone, I know someone out there is going to say, hey, the original Colony Laser in the original Mobile Suit Gundam came out of nowhere too. But my counter argument to that would be that the Colony Laser in 0079 was used in a creative way that indicated that there was a plan for it there the entire time because Girin killed Degwin with it. Yeah. I, I'd even go a step further in that the solar ray was clearly preceded by the solar system, which I assume Xeon took at least some information from and said, look, we can really kind of make this even better to save our own skin. But this thing, it was like, was the impetus to make Quiet Zero to counter this laser? Is Was that no, Prospera's plan? No, no. They said, they said the laser is secret. This was the first time, oh, at least okay. At least that's how they it came off to me. Boy, that's a big secret. <laughs> yeah, well, remember they said that they developed it as a commu- under the guise as, as a communication system, that it would help communication, basically like wow. a big satellite dish. But in reality, it was, it was a laser, which to your point, I don't even know why you need a laser in here, especially, oh, by the way, here's another thing with Quiet Zero I didn't really understand. You don't need a laser to destroy Quiet Zero because they showed us how to defeat Quiet Zero. Remember when they take off the permit system for the demi-barding, and they send the demi-barding right. in, and that's how all of our heroes board Quiet Zero. Well, the demi-barding got in to the data storm pretty easily, Isaac. So you know what you need? Once again, Isaac, nuclear weapons solve everything. You just need a bunch of nuclear missiles aimed at that thing, and you're done. You don't need a space laser. Blue Cosmos would love it. You just but, need some um, Soviet-era you know, yeah. nuclear missiles. With no, there's no permit involved. Just send them in. You're good. The laser really, it doesn't seem like it fits the story itself because of how peaceful the setting is. So for it to be secret, it just kind of raises the question of, well, what the heck else was going on in this universe that we didn't see where they felt the need to have a laser of this scale, which I assume clearly can take out colonies at the drop of a hat so yeah two things on that so i i I think you're supposed to infer that they developed this laser to sort of get a hold on the world again because clearly they wanted to use it to punish benarit for being too big benarit whatever Mm -hmm. so maybe that was why they developed it i i could kind of be on board with that but that seems a little excessive right yeah it didn't seem like they needed to do that because the assembly seems to be the only group that has like a standing army so they can kind of do what they want anyways. Yeah, if it was a one-on-one fight yeah. with Benarit in the assembly, it seems like the League would probably win, given all the fleets and stuff. I don't know. They seem yeah, they, fairly prepared. They clearly seem to be the law, but not the business. So right. why do you need a laser when you clearly have a fleet? I don't see anybody else with a fleet even close to what you had. This is really overkill. This is something clearly the space fascists would want. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, and, and then to your earlier point, so on... Uh, like magnitude of how powerful this thing was 
they did say, they did mention that it would take out all of L4, which I assume they're referring to Lagrange point four. Right. Uh, which, you know, I don't know if we're on the same scale in Adstrella as we are in, in Universal Century, but I mean, if you took an entire Lagrange point out in the Universal Century, that'd be two entire sides. That's huge. But at the same time, Ariel blocked it with its little bits. So yeah. I can't reconcile the, the two claims. <laughs> it, it seems yeah. kind of a weak laser if Ariel can block it. There's no way a little shield is going to block it. She did a mula flaga. Um, but, <laughs> she did. Uh, I wrote that down. Yeah. Uh, Ari pulls she a mula. Pulled off the mula flaga. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? What made Moo's better was Moo died and Ari didn't. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't. He actually didn't. Oh. Right. But, but, what was that? but that was the worst thing that Destiny did was undo Moo's death. Yeah. So two things about that. I think in this setting... L number, whatever L you choose, uh, I think that refers to like one whole colony. Oh, that's it? But is this like wing though, where there's just one colony yeah. per Lagrange? I, I think they're okay. doing the wing policy where like your colony is literally called Lagrange number. Oh, um, all right, all right. Which I always thought was kind of nonsense, you know, in, in the same way that I, I, as far as I'm concerned, that's the same thing as calling like your country, um, you know, the name of your continent. Which I think only Australia, <laughs> only Australia really gets away with that. I don't think that works for any other country. But um, <laughs> yeah, it just—I don't know. Bad laser. This was a laser poorly done. And you know, I love my super weapons, but oh boy, uh, the the laser gets a two thumbs down from Isaac. Yeah, I thought it was too shoehorned in. There was no build up to it. All of a sudden, it was just there. To me, it felt like the reason why it was there, Isaac, is because. And again, maybe the script was different before, or maybe Prospera didn't get off before. But I feel like once they forgave Prospera and she wasn't going to die, they needed a new big bad. And so they inserted this thing at the end. And the new bad guy was the, the high council of the league, you know, mainly the guy in the chair. Right. Yeah. But the, the issue with that is he really doesn't come off as that bad. At least I didn't think so. Sure. He's using the weapon and stuff, but he came off more as almost a, not a punch clock villain. Even he was he was an administrator and a bureaucrat in a situation. And this is the information he got from Peel Technologies. This is the situation he sees and he's going to kind of act on it. That's about it. He was the most sort of. Uh, a bland of villains well, of course uh, he's bland because he didn't know anything yeah. about him he probably had like 10 lines in the whole show and yeah but i it was just a dude who really wants to push the button pretty much right? like that that dude wanted to fire his laser no matter what <laughs> yeah i mean in his defense like if you see quite zero you're like well this does seem like a laser situation it's it's controlling stuff they already took out like you know a third of the fleet we sent we we might as well use the laser you know oh yeah you could probably even yeah. agree with his with his uh, motivations. I mean, clearly Benerit was out of control. Right. No yeah. question. So, or elements of it at least, but yeah, yeah. It, I don't put him as a villain. He's not in the villain category as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. But you, you get what I'm saying is they needed a new antagonist once Prospera yeah. was out of the, out of the picture. Right. And I guess they didn't really have one. Uh, Prospera was kind of it. Yeah. And so they needed this enemy and then it resulted in maybe one of the weirdest nonsensical endings we've, we've had. Suleta just, for lack of a better phrase, she just tries real hard. All of a sudden gets the other Gundams to follow her, and then they extend their data storm really far, really fast. Maybe, dare I say, faster than the speed of light, and then they disintegrate everything? It got crossed over too much into magic, you know? Yeah. And I know I know, Gundams always had new types and stuff and new type abilities, which are essentially, you know, ESP and yeah. uh, various forms of, like, uh, telepathy, etc. Um, but this was... 
I, I know it's called The Witch from Mercury, but this the, you really could only explain it as witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe was, that's what I'm missing. Yeah. At that point of the story, it was off the rails, and I was like, whatever, just get to the credits. <laughs> sure, the, the power of love and the, the ghost sister that's an after image because she's uploaded in this, whatever, just just do it. Just just stop it all. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think my counterargument to the new type thing is when new types are done well, there's a little bit of vagueness involved where we don't really know what happened. And by that, I mean the end of Char's counterattack where this sort of miracle happens and it just, it's a heavy lift but it's not like faster than the speed of light or anything where it just, it moves the thing away. It's a little bit mystery, but here it was like a willful thing that she just did. You can say, oh, well she did it because she surpassed permit eight, but like permit eight is an arbitrary thing. We don't know what the hell permit eight is. That, that was something that they just didn't really explain. They just, all we know is the higher number you go, the more powerful you are, but they didn't really say why. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It, it in summary, it feels like a lot of things happened in this ending that maybe they wanted to... No, this just comes back to what I just said before. I'm a broken record. A half-baked ending with concepts they wanted to flesh out that we weren't fully explained. I do wonder if maybe the original ending was different. Yeah. I wonder if the original ending, Prospera did die, and you had no. maybe there was a, a bigger battle. Maybe the original ending didn't have the laser. I, I don't know. Again, the laser seems really tacked on. I don't think it was necessary. It just made it more weird than anything else. Like you said, it felt like, okay, this is Gundam. We need to design by committee. We have to throw in a laser. There's always a laser at the end or something like that. And that's what we got. But it uh, it really didn't fit the series. And uh, I hope this doesn't segue us away too much. But I feel like in some ways this didn't feel fully like a Gundam series. It was gun. It was half of a Gundam series. <laughs> yeah, it could have been its own kind of interesting, you know, MechCorp kind of show or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fine. I don't think it need. It, I don't even think it needed to really be a Gundam series. I think they were trying to do something different. They took a few turns to try to make it more Gundam when maybe they should have just stayed on the path that they were doing. You know, I, I again, the space laser feels very Gundam to me, Isaac, and I don't think they needed that. Uh, no, not in this setting. I would have been happy with just Quiet Zero and they wrap things up there. But um, I got to do something with Peel technology still being sneaky and then them eating humble pie later. But eh, <laughs> this, is, this is what we got in a very experimental series. Yeah. Um, Isaac, we haven't talked about mobile suits at all. But since we're talking about Quiet Zero, the star of the show around that time was the new Gundam, the Gundam Calibarn. While I liked the design, I thought the design was one of the better ones in the show. The, the color scheme, I don't know if you picked up on this too, but the color scheme is cl- much closer to Saleta's Holder uniform than the Ariel was. It also was okay. very reminiscent of the of like the unicorn design, in my opinion. So they were like, hey, unicorn a was popular. Bit, let's, yeah. make it a, let's make it again. You know, it has shiny on it. Let's sell more of that. But man, this thing came out in left field. They were just like, well, why don't we just use the other one that we've had the whole time? This is very Epion, <laughs> very uh, Akatsuki from Seed. Yeah. Like, we just had this in the back. Should we use that one? Like, why it's, not? And then they all, they all made a big deal about it. Like, it doesn't have a data filter. It was like, well, then just put one on it. You've had this for 20 years and you didn't put one on it? What's wrong with you people? You people are clearly good at throwing things together at the last minute. Just, just put what you want on it. I mean, it's... I don't think it looks bad. Do, do you think it's kind of feminine? I do think it's feminine. I mean, did you like, did okay. you catch that the, the gun is basically a broom? No. <laughs> oh, God, I guess it is, right? Yeah, because she's boosting oh, around on, with the gun. It's, a, it's like a booster gun, and she's basically riding a broom. 
to me it always felt a little bit more like Gundam X almost because like the opening right because it opens into yeah. an X shape but um, I guess bundled up it can look like one of those brooms that's like um like an old style witch's broom of course right with yeah, like yeah, yeah. wicker or something yeah those kind of tear shaped branches but um uh, it's it's okay for a Gundam I think I I wouldn't get the model but it um I kind of like how close they are to the original vision where it's almost all white all light gray. It's almost like new Gundam colors, so that's kind of neat. Yes, or, or new Gundam's just so much better looking, though. And well, yeah, <laughs> hands down. But, I mean, there's different... That's just purely yeah. uh, subjective, though, right? Maybe there's younger fans of Gundam that just very much prefer these Witcher yeah. Mercury designs, but... Yeah, you know what? While we're talking about Calibarn and the Gundam shapes in general, um, that the Ariel and Calibarn have been, like, feminine shapes, I have to say, I'm surprised that... <sighs> Well, maybe I shouldn't say this, but <laughs> avoid too late. All right, I already took my step. Let me keep going. Um, I'm glad I should say that I don't hate the design, you know, because of the dimensions they've changed with like the hips and the waist and all that. Mm-hmm. It's they don't look bad. No, I think they look good. Yeah, I think this is definitely similar to the aerial. I think right. when you look at it in motion. Or on a model, it looks better than the line art. Like, if you just look at the still f- picture, it can look a little awkward, but it doesn't look bad. So, okay. So, I like it. I'm not jumping out of my wallet to go buy it or anything, but... um No, I'd say I prefer Ariel, though, and that's that kind of goes for really all the mobile suits in this last half. I I don't know. I think this was because the first... The Course 1 had such a smaller scope, so it, it almost felt like the, the mobile suits themselves were more unique because of the smaller world of really just being isolated to the school almost but mm. now that we're kind of in the wider world for whatever reason no mobile suit stuck out to me as wanting to be bought yeah i don't really have one that i would go out of my way to, to buy i think i like calabarn no. more than ariel if you add that remember really? at the very end it added the ariel bits on it i thought okay. that was neat that was cool I, I would hope they sell that one day for me, it was, it just came down to the color scheme almost, really. And I think the proportions on Ariel are a bit more, um, I wouldn't even say standard Gundam, but more just a more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. There was one yeah. in there, though. I thought that you would probably really like the Gund Volvas. Those were the evil-looking Gund bits that the, the that Sophia and Norea used. See, okay, I, I remember seeing them and thinking, okay, we got the evil Gundam. Yeah. <laughs> or the evil yeah. the evil Jim almost, right? Yeah. But I don't know. For me, it's it's almost like they didn't do enough. Okay, too basic. It looks like an evil strike Gundam to me. You know what? Okay, that's very close to what I was about to say. I was about to say, you remember 0083, the Ace Customs for the gyms yeah. that the Immortal 4 team have? This is pretty much them. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little bit more lavender. But other than that, it's... It's pretty much them. They kind of got like the scaled down, fast attack kind of proficient mobile suit. Yeah, you get your gun, your shield. Yeah, they're all right. They're 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 cool looking villainous, um, you know, Federation kind of looking suits. What did you think about the the gun nodes? Those are the ones that the Ariel used at the end, like in Quiet Zero. Those were different looking. Those were closer to like those reminded me of the Gundam X bits. Yeah. Almost exactly like the Gundam X-Bix, was just the head, you know, because yep. sort of the dome-shaped head that had the two kind of prongs. Although I think the Gundam X-Bits were more um, almost bowling ball head. Like, you didn't really even see eyes, I think. You might call them domes. Ha. Huh. Oh, huh. there huh. you go. Huh. Uh, <laughs> Bob. That's, that's a, a Gundam re- X joke. That's a Gundam X joke. Yeah. <laughs> 
you'll all get when we do Gundam X. <laughs> so these ones kind of lose me at the feet. <laughs> oh yeah, too pointy. That that is absolutely Zone of the Ender's feet. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. That's which true. which for all you Zoomers, um, Zone of the Ender's was like a PlayStation early PlayStation era game series or PlayStation Two, I think maybe three. I think they stopped making the series, but yeah, Mecha and. You know they're very graceful and float around, and they're they're pointy. They're pointy mecha, but um, yeah, this thing it's it's okay. I, I, again, none of these designs in the the last half really caught my attention or caused me to to really, you know, want them or add them to memory. I did like the the demi barding. That was the one that they had towards the end, right in the beginning of the back half. Uh, Suleta fought a bunch of different people. In the duels, remember, and the one mm-hmm. that I liked the best. There was a lot of mobile suits there that were all unique. One of them, though, I liked was called the Hippelis or the Hypelis. This was the one that had like four arms. It reminded me of General Grievous, so I thought that was neat because it had like multiple beam sabers going. So that was kind of fun. The one I'm surprised you didn't mention, Isaac, is the one that the Don of Fold used. Our friend Olcott really? used the the, the Prodoros. I thought those were cool. You didn't like those? Those were very Dom like. See, okay, yes, they almost got it, right, because, like, the dimensions and stuff, but they kind of lose me in the head. It's very Feller. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> right? Right? Okay. Is the light too thin? No, it, it's just, it's not trop, tropping enough, okay? <laughs> it's it, If anything, it's closer to Gustav Carl, really, if you think about it, but <laughs> it didn't really match to me. It, it felt very much like the demi barding, really. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a grunt. It's not like a. Yeah, they, they went for chunkiness, but the design itself wasn't as inspired or unique as the Dom or, um, you know, other, other mobile suits of a similar size. I felt like they were really going like hard military design on that one. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. It'd be at home in like Armored Core or something, you know, or yeah. some other series, but uh, I, I didn't feel too inspired by it. What about the Gundam Schwartz set? And I got to tell you, I know a lot of people think this one's really cool. I, the, the feet are really strange to me. The design is f- fine. It's, it's unique. It just felt really out of place for me in the show. Like, I don't understand why Lauda needed to fight against Ghoul at all. We didn't even talk about that, but that just seemed really odd. He was like a weird choice to be a pilot of that to me. Am I weird in thinking that? I don't know. Do you not like the halo on it? Is that what it is? Or No, I think I think that it's... I don't like the halo, but I, I it's the same halo that was on the Darabaldi. So I think that's Sorta, just what yeah. Jeturk does. They have those halo things. So that's fine. I get why people like it. it it's not something that like I really love or anything. But it, I just thought in general that Gundam was very out of place in the show. For me, it's... It's okay. I feel like it would look much better in a different series just by its design. That one seems like an Iron-Blooded Orphans Gundam to me. Yeah, or, I don't know, a different series. I mean, well, what would really be good about it in Iron-Blooded Orphans is it's the sword size and how that series was anti-beam weapon, so yeah. this would be perfectly at home. But um, I, I didn't hate it, and I didn't love it. So, I mean, we don't. we all know I don't like the feet. <laughs> for obvious reasons because once again i don't know what the heck happened after like you know 2000 but they decided to put as many mobile suits as they could in stilettos <laughs> so and and here we are with stiletto mobile suits isaac needs flat wide bases everybody that's <laughs> it just makes no sense like mechas are based on humans humans don't run around on like hooves so just just give them feet just give them feet 
The short set looks like it has horse hooves, so that's different. Yeah, they're like, I don't even know what that, yeah, Clydesdale, right, or something. <laughs> Gundam Clydesdale, that'd be a better a better name. But Clyde's, Gundam Clydesdale. <laughs> okay, so one question I wanted to ask you, Isaac, is, Oh. this show's done very well, to the extent that I'm shocked that it sort of ended the way it did, because it doesn't really lend itself to a season two. But given how well it did, I wonder if they would pursue one. But this show seemed to me to be a very personal story rather than like a grand sweeping war that you could make a sequel to. Right, yeah. So my question to you is, can you even have an effective sequel if you wanted one? Um, What would your sequel be? Because like, hmm. it seems like Suleta shouldn't really pilot anymore based on the damage to her body at the end of the show. Remember she says, oh, I, I finally got the use of all my, you know, limbs back or whatever. Yeah, it... I'll, I'll agree with you. It was a story on a very small scale, a smaller even than Iron-Blooded Orphans. I, I, I hope listeners aren't really upset by like the comparisons I keep making. But Iron-Blooded Orphans, yes, it was really about essentially Orga and Mikazuki. It did sort of expand to like the fates of Earth and Mars, really, the fates of the government. This, though, it was almost like an incident involving the Benerit group that the government got involved in that ultimately was swept under the rug in a way that did not really happen in Iron-Blooded Orphans. So it was a very small-scale personal story about Suleta, and for that reason alone, it's that it puts it further apart from most Gundam stories and not in a good way. <laughs> it would have been better as its own anime series ultimately. Like, pitch me a sequel for this. Oh, boy. Do you see any obvious avenues? Peel's revenge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do the four the four ladies do they pilot? I don't think they pilot, but they they'll definitely call in favors and do what they have to. They'll like raise a, an army or a force to just get revenge. Um, I, I, that's a half baked idea. I'm not really serious about that. But <laughs> look, look, they've at least laid down some threads for like a very complex world with all these mega corps and stuff. The school. If you do revisit it, I'd say, look, stick to what you know. Stick to what's good. There's clearly not a big war going on or anything like that. So you know what? We're just going to do the school. We're going to keep it small. We're going to have really cool mobile suits, cool new Gundams. There's Maybe there'll be new companies and stuff like that. Now the Earth's finally getting some money, right? Maybe there'll be an, an influx of Earthians. There you go. Mm, yeah. They're coming mm-hmm. to the school. So there's going to be a lot of new characters and ideas. But it's going to be a small-scale, non-war Gundam series. Yeah, off the top of my head, that's that's what I have. How about you, Brian? I think I'd try to do something with Shattuck. I think I'd, you know, I'd do Shattuck's ah. counterattack. He he escapes uh, <laughs> using an enhanced person that looks like him. Of course, he gets out, and instead of uh, Suleta being the main pilot, because again, I don't think she should pilot anymore. I think you have Ghoul go out to try to stop him and maybe he pilots a gun okay. with the help of it with the help of airy right i don't see any other obvious avenue to a sequel which i think is not what people expected i think people were really expecting a season two i mean i was based on how well the show was doing but given how it ended i don't like the gundams are so intrinsically tied to Soleta, prospera and airy it seems hard to do anything without them did this series do well brian yeah i believe so wow well, remember, I mean, it, the series can do well, you, you know, it doesn't take uh, closing opinions into account, right? Because you already watched it. I mean, the show did well. So now again, I don't know. What the, there. I don't know what the closing opinion is, but everyone, probably everyone else loves it. Isaac. we're probably just a bunch <laughs> of haters. So 
whatever. As a fan of almost all Gundam series, let me say I didn't care for this series, and I would very much like their teams in animation and writing to go work on something else in a different <laughs> universe. Do not make a sequel. Another thing, Isaac, that really you know chaps my ass here, we didn't get to see Mercury. Yeah, that was another mistake in the series. We're, we hear about it. We're told the gravitational fields are just so dangerous, which I assume would have meant, oh, well, of course we're going to go there and it's going to like rip people apart. But no, we, we don't see it, which is a huge mistake, especially if a character's from there, the main character. Yeah, I, I know there's two, there's at least two other, you know, side stories. I think there's a novel and then there's a manga. I think they're both prequels. I think one's called Vanity's Heart and one of them's called uh, Cradle something or other. Maybe Mercury's in there, but I mean, to the average person watching this show, they're, they're not going to go read or consume that stuff. So yeah, I, I think it's a mistake to not show Mercury in the show, given that it's in the title. I was really looking forward to that. Yeah, so was I, but no, we didn't get it. We didn't get a full explanation of, of witchhood. <laughs> and um, <laughs> this series didn't stick the landing in many ways towards the ending I'm uh, I'm ultimately disappointed. I would have liked to feel happier once the final episode ended, but I I didn't, and uh, that's a shame. I wish I liked it more, and I wished it was done better. All right, Isaac, where does this rank in your in your Gundam pantheon? I, I had here ask Isaac oh, if boy. it cracks his top five, but clearly it's not cracking your top five. No, I'll say this: I'd rather watch this again than F91. Okay. But I don't think I'll watch this again for a long time. I definitely would watch Iron-Blooded Orphans way earlier. I could watch Iron-Blooded Orphans anytime. But this, yep. sadly, I don't think I want to think about it for a while, watch it again. None of the mobile suits I wish to purchase, ultimately I'll put it down as a, a sadly a half-baked idea, which I assume I'll put in the same category as Recon, Grista, and G, based on what I've heard. I'm, I'm ultimately not a fan of this series, sad to say. And uh, I'm very curious what the listeners think. How about you, Ryan? You gotta rank it. You gotta give me your score, Isaac. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. I will give this series... Oh, God. The Witch from Mercury. Core is number two. Two out of five Haro Troopers. Oh, man, that is that is a rough score right there. It, it, it's a drop. It is a drop in quality, and uh, they don't stick the landing. Yeah, I can't go higher than that. Brian, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's definitely, to your point, not something I would probably watch again unless there was a real reason. Like even, you know, for example, while F91 is, is sort of an interesting experiment uh, of what happens when you cancel a series and make a new movie, at least that sort of spawned Crossbone, right? Which I think we both really enjoyed. But yeah, this one, if they're not really going to continue it, I don't really think I have a reason to revisit it. You know, I enjoyed the ride. I think the first half was better than the second. That's because I and, and Isaac, we happened to place a lot of emphasis on the ending. I think endings are important to us, right? That's the conclusion to your narrative journey when they don't sit well, I think it ruins a lot of stuff for me and Isaac. You know, maybe you're different. Maybe you enjoy the ride. And, and for all I know, maybe you really enjoyed the ending. But for us, it didn't work. I was trying to pin down, Isaac, why does the ending not work for me? Other than it just felt sort of rushed. But it goes back to that thing about, I said at the beginning about, I didn't really feel satisfied with really anything that happened other than Suleta and Mirina getting together, which I guess is a really big win for the diversity and uh, representation side of things. Yeah. So small aside, literally the day after we recorded this, the whole Gundam Ace controversy about Suleta and Mia Rene's marriage being up to interpretation came out. 
we may or may not record a news episode where we might talk about it if we can think of something constructive to say that hasn't already been said, but we'll see. Either way, the show is pretty clear. They're married. I mean, they weren't, it's not like they, you know, showed the wedding or something, right? But there was that one comment where uh, Mirene, she told Ari to listen to her and when she, and by her, she said like sister-in-law. So they're clearly they're clearly they're married. Yeah. So I, I don't mean to like downplay that, but everything else, no. I, I just didn't really, you know, just didn't really hit with me. And I think that's because Isaac, usually Gundam series to me, they leave you with like a dagger. And I don't mean you have to like the way it ended. It just means you have to, it leaves you shaken or something to think about, something that bothers you, something that's unsettled. Like in, in the original Momos yeah. Gundam, Lala died. Bittersweet. Did Char get away? Exactly. So many people died that you're like, did anyone really win? In Zeta, everybody died. Char's counterattack, they're MIA, basically yeah. dead, refusing to agree on anything. They turned into colored light. <laughs> <laughs> Iron, iron-blooded orphans. It goes without saying. Everybody died. Rastal Elian still lives. 0080, don't even need to say anything. 8th MS team, they don't make it unscathed. Norris died. Or the Kurgan exploded. There's some exceptions. Gundam X, G Gundam, but those are a little different. Even Gundam C, yeah. you had you had Moose death. That was a dagger. I don't think we got that here, Isaac. Everybody that was a major character, for the most part, lived. And I think that's too safe of an ending. Even the villains, yeah. Right. Prospera's <laughs> chilling at the house. Thousands of people are dead because yeah. of this woman. And, and we're just, like, you know, yakking it up with her. Uh, in the field. So I'm going to give the the show overall, I think, a 7 out of 10. I think it's a... Uh, Whoa. It, that's a C. That's a C in school. You're not doing well if you get a well, 7. Well, the show overall. I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, look, the show has great animation. Okay. I won't take that away. It was, a, it was a joy to watch. So if I may infer, Brian, you're not actually scoring Cores 2. You're making a, a, an analysis oh, of the whole yeah, show. Oh, yeah, okay. Core 2, I think I would, based on the ending... It's just so weird because I feel like it was doing pretty well, and the last like four or five episodes it really fell apart for me. So I'd say most uh. of the time it was another eight out of ten, but then it really fell to like a five out of ten with the ending. The more I thought about the ending, okay, more reasonable. Yeah. But I gave I gave Coor one, you know, an eight, and if I think Coor two is a five overall, then I think seven is a fair score, seven out of ten. Okay. So your mileage may vary. I'm very curious, listeners. Are we just like haters? You know, sorry if this was too much of a complaining episode, but I don't know. We had we had very similar thoughts on this, Isaac. So uh, yeah, okay. But, I don't see how someone can say this ending made so made, made perfect sense to them, or was a good ending in general. I appreciate, of course, the diversity, and that's great. You know, and with the, the, the two women next up, let's do two men. I appreciate how interesting the setting was, how different it was with the megacorps and business playing such a huge role. It was great seeing some new designs, but overall, I just walk away from this as someone clearly saw Harry Potter and this came off as, <laughs> I, I, guess they, I guess they saw it recently, even though those movies are kind of old by now. <laughs> yeah, they really walked away with interesting ideas that they didn't fully execute here that were half-baked and at the end, the landing was not stuck. Yeah, I'd say seven out of ten, and I'm disappointed. I think disappointed is a good yeah is a good adjective here. We were rooting for this series to be great, and um, we were hoping to have a great time. I, I definitely enjoyed Course One more than this course, and um, I'll not rewatch this again very soon. 
<laughs> All right, listeners, let us know your thoughts. You know, what, what mobile suits are you buying? Are you buying models from this? Are you buying the aerial, aerial rebuild? Are you holding out for the Calibarn? You know, give us your thoughts on the ending, the characters. Who was your favorite character? Did you like Quiet Zero? Did you, you know, what do you think about the clones? Could someone explain the clones to me? I just, how many dead babies did she upload to, to Ariel? Like, I don't, I don't understand. What are your questions for the listeners, Isaac? This was just so different. Just, just share all your thoughts in the comments. Cause man, what a doozy. What a, what a way to end it. Just tell us what you think. All right, Isaac, take us away. All right, listeners, before you go to sleep tonight, stand next to your bed, put your hands together, get on your knees, look up at the ceiling and hail the Benerick group. Good night, everybody.